Today is Friday, January 21st, 2022. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader Podcast. Follow me on Gab. That is at GOP Josh. Getter is GOP Josh, if I'm not banned on there yet. GOP Josh 20 is my Twitter. Gab has been getting a lot of representation lately. He was on Tim Pool last night. The, or Tim Cast, I'm sorry, with Tim Pool. Uh, Gab is a great platform. Get over there. I love it. Get on Gab at GOP Josh. I'm verified. Look for the little blue check. You'll see me over there. You'll also see me supporting the state of Texas. Because the Texas Supreme Court, or the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court, I'm sorry, has rejected another attempt to block Texas's six-week abortion ban. So the Supreme Court, uh, this is an article from CNBC, the Supreme Court on Thursday denied a request from state te- from Texas abortion providers to immediately send their case challenging the state's strict abortion law back to a lower court. Doing so likely would have allowed the abortion providers and advocates to proceed more quickly with their case against the law, which bans most abortions in Texas as early as six weeks of pregnancy. Instead, the ruling is likely to prolong the legal battle. The high court in December said that a law against the ban could proceed while keeping the law in effect. A lawsuit against the ban, I'm sorry. Opponents of the ban wanted the case to return to a federal district court. On Monday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit sent the case to the Republican-controlled Texas Supreme Court. It is unclear how soon that court will take it up. So today is unrelated. Today is March for Life. Obviously, I'm in the studio. I'm not in D.C., but uh, prior for everyone at March for Life, hopefully it's a great peaceful protest standing up against abortion Standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Very, very happy that March for Life is is returning this year once again. Hopefully this is the year that Roe is overturned. The U.S. Supreme Court Thursday afternoon denied the abortion provider's request to compel the Fifth Circuit to return the case to the district court. The three three liberal justices on the nine-member bench dissented to the order. Instead of stopping a Fifth Circuit panel from indulging Texas's new delay tactics, the court allows the state yet again to extend the deprecation of the federal constitutional rights of its citizen through procedural manipulation, Sotomayor wrote in her dissent, uh, joined by Breyer and Kagan. The court may look the other way, but I cannot, Sotomayor wrote. I'm going to say this. I, I disagree with a lot of what the Supreme Court does. But the judicial nominees that President Trump put in place, the, the, the justices and the judges that President Trump got through in his term, will be his longest legacy. If we, if we can successfully stop the Biden regime from extending the Supreme Court further, larger, make the, making it a, a larger body... President Trump's justices will be the longest-lasting legacy of his administration, and that's not a bad thing. I wish his justices voted a certain way on certain issues, different times, different ways for different things, like the, the health care mandate. I wish they would have stopped that for the vaccine. But truly, the, the judicial nominees from President Trump are going to be the longest-standing legacy, and I'm very happy that they rejected this 
abortion providers bid to block the Texas law. Because the Texas law is not unconstitutional, and they don't get to stop it because they disagree, and I'm, I'm very happy about that. And I'm going to try to move fast today. I have seven articles or seven different things that I want to talk about today. In House conservatives grade Biden an F on the first year of foreign policy. I haven't read this article yet. I saw it this morning. I just wanted to get it in here to talk to you guys about it. The Republican Study Committee, RSC, graded Biden on China, Russia, Iran, and Afghanistan, awarding Biden failing grades on all fronts and one F for F minus for his deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan. The world is more chaotic and dangerous today than one year ago when President Trump held office, the RSC states. So it's an F, 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 F minus. The report is the latest effort by Republicans to draw attention to Biden's one-year anniversary in office to criticize what they say say are a series of foreign policy blunders that have empowered adversaries and abandoned U.S. interest in security. The cheeky report card, prevented like a first-grader's progress report from a teacher, was first released to Fox News Digital by 13 pages of explanation for why the RSC is giving failing grades as well as three dozen, three dozen letters House Republicans have written to the Biden administration seeking answers on foreign policy actions. This is a good idea. The, the Republicans in Congress doing this is a good idea. It's a, it's a great presentation. It's, it's the subject. It says, name Joe Biden year first. It's his uh, first year in office. China F, too friendly with others. Let's, uh, Xi, Xi Jinping, eat everyone's food during lunch. Russia F, talks too much, acts too little, struggles to understand repeated concepts. Iran in the Middle East, doesn't know when to quit, engaged in the wrong discussions. And Afghanistan's F minus, unable to complete assignments, having a difficult time accepting responsibility. I, I wish I, I, I wanted to, yesterday, or, or the day that we talked about uh, Jenna Ellis's subpoena, have the, uh, we do a little trolling, but put on my soundboard, so I could just press it, but I have to, I have to search it up. But, th- but this is very fitting for today. With, with this report card, because it, it, it's hilarious to me. Maybe. Before one of their primaries, we just, we do a little trolling. It's called, we do a little trolling. That is the House Conservatives, the RSC. It, it, we do a little trolling. It's called, we do a little trolling, but it, it's good trolling. It, it's a lighthearted way to pick, pick fun at the Biden administration's very lackluster foreign policy success. Lackluster being there, are, there was no foreign policy success from the president. And, and, and that's pretty hilarious to me. <laughs> um, we do a little trolling. It's called We Do a Little Trolling. The RSC. Great video. And, and now I want to play. Like I said, we're moving for, through it fast. we got a lot to get to. Today's the last episode of the day I can't, or the week. I can't go talk about this on Monday. So I'm going to play this uh, clip from The Simpsons, and I'll talk about why. Kids, the Grand Canyon. It's so old and boring. I want a new one. Now! Hello, I'm Tom Hanks. The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. That voice might sound familiar as this video from the Biden inaugural committee, which is pretty pointless now at this point, a year after the inauguration. After, after this clip, listen to the, listen to the voice. To see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. If only we're brave enough, brave enough to live through two of the most difficult years many of us can remember. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pause it for a second. The U.S. government has lost all of their credibility, so they're borrowing some of Tom Hanks. 
The Simpsons, this is from The Simpsons movie, the clip that I played before. The Simpsons predict the future once again. Now, now this is a lighthearted uh, poking fun at this video, but this video is, is I, I would play it, but I don't want to give it airtime. We have too much to talk about today. But I'll play part of it just, just to listen to how, how much propaganda it is. Pull ourselves up again and again. America is the home of the brave. It's why we keep getting up no matter how many times we get knocked down, like with our economy. It isn't all the way back, but it's getting stronger. We may be entering year three of a pandemic none of us wanted or expected, but we're moving. I was the first person. Now they have the first lady to get the vaccine in the country. Uh, Thanks to President Trump, by the way. Not that I like Trump wanting the vaccine, but I just want to put that out there. In the whole country. And now, how many people are vaccinated? Over 200 million, right? That's what keeps me going, that I can feel the change. Restaurants have opened their doors, shops and businesses. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's just flaunting Biden's ego about the about the pandemic and his response. That's all it is. By a a useless committee, the Biden inaugural committee. We are a a a year out from Biden's inauguration. That was a year ago yesterday, and yet they're still flaunting how good Biden's doing. That 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 makes me think that. That they agree that Biden isn't doing the greatest. I, I don't know. They have to flaunt it. They have to have the inaugural committee again. They have to borrow Tom Hanks' credibility because they're, they've ran out of it. I don't know. It just it just rubbed me the wrong way. That's all I can say. But I do want to play. Before we go to break, I want to answer a question. I have terrible Wi-Fi in the studio today. I, I want to answer a question from a friend of the show. A friend of uh, a mutual on Twitter. A friend of the show. Uh, Andy Bashir fan sent in a a voice message to the show via Anchor, our Anchor page. Go to gopjosh.com slash show, click the message button, send in your own voice message to the show, but we're going to play his voice message and uh, answer his question. Hey Josh, what's your opinion on Andy Bashir? On the off chance that he would get the nomination, do you think he would be able to win in 2024 or later, depending on the political climate? Thanks. So Andy Bashir fan asking a question about Andy Bashir. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Just poking fun. Uh, I, I don't follow Kentucky state politics that closely. I know that uh, he was elected in 2019, I think. Correct? Is that correct? Um, he's gone through a lot in his first few years as governor. Uh, COVID, of course, the uh, tornadoes down in Kentucky. He's He's gone through a lot in his first couple years and he he's he's shown to be a a leader that the democrats wanted in that office uh, every time that a blue state governor tries to go to a, a a red state democrat governor tries to go to national politics they're usually a little more successful because they can swing these states that are that won't vote for a a democrat for president won't vote for a democratic senator but they'll vote for a democratic governor in an off-year election so I think if he was to run in 2024 for president, I doubt he will because he still has time in office if he runs again in 2023 and he wins. But I think he he if he could get the nomination, he would be a, a strong candidate, especially he could he could run on the whole. We accomplished this in our first year. We our first term. We got through the covid pandemic. We survived these tornadoes. We did this and that. And he's had a tough 
beginning of his term. He's had a he's had a tough beginning of his. I don't know what he did before he was governor, but but tough beginning to his governorship. So if he was to run, I think he'd he'd be very successful. It depends on really who the DNC puts their money behind. If it's Kamala Harris, good luck. If it's I mean, I don't think Kamala Harris won the general, but if they put the money behind Kamala Harris, good luck to Andy Bashir. To put the money behind anyone else, good luck to Andy Bashir. But if if he can get support of the DNC, I think he'll be successful. I don't know if he can win against Trump, but I know he'll be successful. I don't know if he can win against DeSantis. But he, he will at least be successful in the party and could easily get the nomination. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader. We'll be right back after this, this break. I'll, let me tell you what we're going to talk about first. Uh, the Eminem characters are becoming more inclusive. We know how th- those terrible racist, sexist Eminems, oh, that, that, that chocolate candy, they're, they're racist and sexist. Um, Pelosi is now open to st- stricter sh- stock trading rules from member of Congress. Tells me she's not going to one. She's not going to... Uh, stay in Congress past 2022. And the family of the Marine killed in Afghanistan sues Alec Baldwin. Let's talk about that. All of that here on the Conservative Crusader right after this. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. You know, I, I have a story to tell. I went to the grocery store the other day, and I was in the checkout line, and, and I saw this bag of candy, and I'm like, wow, that, that candy seem, seems very sexist. That candy seems very racist. And I guess Eminem's heard my plea. Because the M&M characters, characters are becoming more inclusive, and the green M&M will lose her stiletto boots. I know one thing, I never looked at the feet of M&M characters. I mean, I, I know there are some freakos that probably did, but that's not the thing that I paid attention to. I paid attention to the, the, the good candy. The beloved M&M characters are becoming more inclusive with several changes that are sub- subtle but noticeable. Mars Wrigley, which owns M&M's, announced on Thursday a global commitment to creating a world where everyone feels they belong in a society is inclusive. The green M&M will lose her peach-colored legs and stiletto boots in favor of white legs and sneakers after criticism that the character was sexualized. Mars said that he wanted the green M&M to be better represented to reflect confidence and empowerment as a strong female and known for much more than her boots. Let me, let me look up a picture of green M&M because I never looked at the green M&M, to be completely honest. I, I have seen the commercials, but I'm not really... I, I never really noticed the difference between them. But... I I don't know. I I, I thought this was the, the side that glorified pornography. This The side that promoted all of this, this disgusting acts. Why wouldn't they want an M&M to... To do these kind of acts. If, if that's what they want to promote to everyone. They, they want to normalize abortion. They want to normalize um, marriage outside of... Or not marriage outside of wedlock. Um, what, what's the proper word? Intercourse outside of wedlock. So so why wouldn't they? Why, why, why wouldn't they have a, a green M&M that's sexualized? 
The brown M&M will have her heels lowered to a professional height. Her character says she is not bossy, just the boss. The green and brown M&Ms will no longer have a rivalry, rivalry, but will now be together throwing shine and not shade. The orange M&Ms, the anxious one, previously had his shoes untied, but will now have them tied. The red M&M, an outspoken character, sometimes uh, interpreted as bullying the other M&Ms, will start being more kind to his fellow candy characters. Was the Super Bowl the least watched this year? Because I know that a lot of the Eminem ad revenue for the year goes to the Super Bowl. I remember seeing their commercials. That, that's why I watch the Super Bowls to watch the commercials. So, were they... Did the Super Bowl not create enough revenue for them? Because... Do they need to be in the news this bad? To where they they will change their mascot? I mean, okay. I understand maybe not wanting her to wear the boots that she was wearing, the green M&M. But changing the the personality? I always laughed at the M&M commercials. I never thought of anything more of them. Besides a humorous way to try to sell candy. A, A humorous, innocent way to try to sell candy. Go woke, go broke is all I can say. They they must have had the worst quarter in their life. I mean, the the Eminem's has long been committed to creating colorful fun for all, and this purpose serves as more concrete commitment to what we've always believed as a brand that everyone has the right to enjoy moments of happiness and fun is the most powerful way to help people feel that they belong. What? Okay, I, I don't understand the the goal behind this initiative. Besides the go woke, go broke. Good luck to M&M's. I mean, I, I wasn't the avid M&M eater. I mean, looking at me, you might think otherwise, but I wasn't an avid M&M eater. But I won't now. I won't eat an M&M now. <laughs> I mean, if they're given to me, I might, but I'm not buying them. Just like Pelosi is okay with not buying stocks. Oh, did you see that transition? That was a nice transition. That was a good transition. Uh, Pelosi is open to stricter stock trading rules for members of Congress. Yeah, okay. Nancy Pelosi said she is open to legislation that would enact stiffer penalties on stock trading for members of Congress, reversing her previous opinion as a bipartisan pressure mounts to implement an outright ban. Has great confidence in the integrity of my members, but noted she would consider additional restrictions if proposals gain the support. I do come down always in favor of trusting our members if the impression that is given someone is doing insider trading. That's a Justice Department issue and has no place in any of this. To give a blanket attitude of we can't do this and we can't do just because we can't be trusted, I don't buy into that. But if members, if members want to do that, I'm okay with that. Pelosi's latest remarks came as lawmakers from both parties are, push, uh, are pushing for stricter rules or a total ban on stock trade by members of Congress. Proponents of a ban say that individual stock holdings could represent a conflict of interest for lawmakers who have sensitive information and are responsible for enacting laws of regulating business. Uh, Pelosi scrutin- uh, drew scrutiny in December after she argued lawmakers should be allowed to trade stock as part of a free market, market economy. This is what you do. You take all their assets, you put them into a blind trust. For as long as they serve in Congress, they have no power to know what's going on in that trust. They, they don't get to decide where that trust goes, where any of their assets goes. And same with their partners, their their husband or wives, or, or yeah, their, their 
significant others, whatever the, the, the politically correct term is, because you can't say husband and wife anymore. Um, the Post previously reported that Pelosi and her husband may have earned more than $30 million through bets on tech firms. Yeah, uh, Pelosi inve- invested in Roblox. Roblox is a game specifically for kids younger than me. I, I, I don't I don't believe that she knows exactly what that is. I don't know what exactly what it is. Um, the Post has reported that Senator John Ossoff and Mark Kelly have introduced a bill that would ban members of Congress or spouses independent children from tra- and dependent children from trading stocks while in office be required to replace any assets in a blind trust. I might actually agree with John Ossoff for once. I have to read the legislation and see exactly what goes into it. But I might actually agree with John Ossoff for once. Josh Hawley has introduced his own version. In the House, uh, Minority Leader has also suggested support for a ban. Asked members of House Administration Committee to review the Stock Act, Pelosi asked the committee, an Obama-era regulation requiring lawmakers to disclose stock trades. The committee is exploring whether stiffer instructions are needed. Yes, stiffer stiffer restrictions, I should say, are needed. Because Pelosi, and and I actually followed a, a Pelosi stock trading app, not app, but uh, page on Twitter on my phone, and Twitter nuked it. Let, let's see if Pelosi, let me just see Pelosi, if Pelosi stock trading is on um, Gab, Pelosi stock, see if they track it, no, I, I can't find it on Gab this, this second, but she invests in some of the weirdest things, especially knowing that legislation about big tech is important right now. She's she's buying and selling big tech stock. I don't know. Um, she said that the Supreme Court should be held to a similar standard. Um, I, I really don't think that the Supreme Court has that much impact. I, I don't know what goes on at the court. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge but or a justice or a judge or a, a staffer. But if they have direct influence in the laws of the United States that in, in can draft laws and pass laws and know what's going to get on the floor before anyone else does and this and that, maybe, maybe they should. But that that's specifically held to Pelosi and members of Congress. Okay, last thing. Um, also a New York Post article. The family of a Marine killed in Afghanistan sues Alec Baldwin for defamation. This is a couple days old article, but I haven't heard that much about it. A family of a Marine killed in Afghanistan during the Biden administration's chaotic troop withdrawal had sued Biden, has sued Alec Baldwin for defamation, claiming the actor falsely accused the servicemen's grieving relatives of being insurrectionists. Riley Collum of Wyoming was one of the 13 service members killed in the August 26th bombing outside the Abbey Gate in Hazmed Karazi. International Airport, when they were processing would-be evacuees to be flown out of Afghanistan following the Taliban takeover. After McCollum's death, Baldwin found out one of the Marine sisters, Royce, on Instagram and sent her a check for $5,000 for his widow and her newborn, according to the suit filed Monday. The actor told Royce that the check was a tribute to a fallen soldier. But then this month, Baldwin accused Royce of taking part in last year's riots in the nation capital and called her an insurrectionist after she posted a photo on, the, on Instagram that she took on January 6th at the Washington Monument. She posted the image on her page on January 6th, ahead of the one year, or January 1st, I'm sorry, ahead of the one year anniversary of uh, January 6th. Royce, who attended a demonstra- demonstration in support of President Trump, was not involved in the riots and was never accused of any crime during the mayhem. 
Neither Creighton nor McCollum's other sister, Cheyenne, were reportedly at the Capitol on the day of the riots. Are you the same woman I sent money to for your sister's husband who was killed during the Afghanistan exit? Um, Baldwin reportedly told Royce's um, Instagram post from his account. When I sent the money to your late brother out of real respect for his service to this country, I didn't know you were a January 6th rioter. Including the lawsuit or screenshots of the actor's messages, which one of which shows Baldwin accusing her of being the rioter. The sister pushed back at the actor, telling him that protesting is legal and that she already had been interviewed by the FBI. Um, your activities resulted in the unlawful destruction of government property, the death of a law enforcement officer, which, no, no law enforcement officer died on January 6th. And an assault on the certification of the presidential election. I reposted your photo. Good luck. Baldwin wrote back. He also reposted Royce's photo on his Instagram account, which has 2.4 million followers, and mentioned her involvement in the January 6th protest. Royce was soon hit with hostile, aggressive, hateful messages from Baldwin's followers that said, I'm not going to read that message. I- I'm not reading that. Your brother got what he deserved, is one, one of the messages said. I'm not going to say what the first one said. Baldwin also alleged, um, allegedly misidentified a Creighton as an insurrectionist in an Instagram comment, although she was not in D.C. that day. People then began sending hateful mes- and threatening messages to the widow and Cheyenne, according to the lawsuit, some comparing them to ISIS or Nazis. Some users also called on Baldwin to get a refund for the $5,000 he donated to the family. Alec Baldwin net worth. Let's see here. $60 million. Let's do some math here. $60 million. That is approximately... .0083% of his net worth. That $5,000 check was. The plaintiffs, uh, McCollum's sisters, Royce and Cheyenne, his widow, uh, Gianna, are seeking damages of at least $25 million for alleged defamation, invasion of privacy, negligence, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Doesn't Baldwin have more important things going on right now than attacking a, a someone who was at the Capitol? Being at the Capitol on a certain date does not automatically make you an insurrectionist. It does not automatically make you a terrorist. It does not automatically mean you entered the Capitol. It does not actually mean you, you committed any crime. Since when are we not allowed to protest in this country? The First Amendment protects your right to gather and your right to protest. Her actions did not lead to what happened on January 6th in the, inside of the Capitol. Being within the grounds of Washington, D.C., does not lead to anything. But Baldwin doesn't understand that. Because his political narrative, his, his, I think he's just trying to distract himself from his, from his problems in court with the Rust shooting. That is more important than this this family deciding, this one woman deciding to go to the Capitol. I'm lost for words. And because I'm lost for words and we're also lost of time, we're out of time here on the Conservative Crusader. We'll be back Monday with a brand new episode. Make sure you're following me on Gab at GOP Josh, Twitter GOP Josh 20. Thank you for tuning in. My name is GOP Josh. Stay tuned. (laughs) 